there is a fifth dimension. It is vast and timeless and is in the middle ground between productivity and fruitlessness. This is the dimension of isolation, and it is an area which is called the apathy zone. Apathy rears its ugliness when we feel constricted by a lack of feeling seen and safe at home, at work, or even at school. When apathy strikes, we have reason to believe our efforts don't matter and any action will result in negative consequences. We at first feel slave to it, that we cannot hold it or we cannot control it. At this guild meeting, we will explore why apathy has increased right now just about everywhere and what we can do about it. Oh yeah, and we also talk about Britney Spears. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Coakland, and me, Jenny Labrie. On February 5th, the New York Times Presents aired its episode entitled Framing Britney Spears. It was a documentary that presented an overview of the life and career of the famed but ill-fated pop star and analyzed the factors that led to her very public downfall and eventual placement under a conservatorship. For anyone who doesn't know, a conservatorship is a legal resolution reserved for people usually unable to care for themselves mentally or physically. So you might be listening to this and wondering, what is the connection between Britney Spears and her documentary and to educators and learners today? Well, on today's episode, we're going to be exploring the link between career performance and accountability with feelings of psychological safety. We will discuss the disintegration of psychological safety for all staff, students, and families, and how that creates feelings of anxiety or apathy, two psychological states that result in the death of learning and creativity. It's our intention with this episode to share strategies that systems and individuals can use to reduce toxic and crazy work and learning environments and rebuild them stronger than yesterday. Remember to say it's me against the apathy. So first off, I think it's important for us to come to a clear understanding of what the phrase psychological safety means. So when I say that word or phrase, what first comes to both of your minds? I would honestly say it's that feeling of strength and self. So the ability to show yourself or be yourself without fearing any negative repercussions or consequences. So I think in education, it's when staff and students are literally able to to be who they are and do what they love without fear of anything bad happening to them. And I think collaboration is also an important part to mention here. And so the belief your team is safe for interpersonal risk taking, there's safety in teams and everyone feels accepted and respected and your team can be at their most functioning and highest state with that safety in mind. Right. And I mean, the original mission of our podcast was to talk about highly functioning teams. And really, when you think about any sort of workplace, if you are creating something or it's a creative product or process-based environment, you have to have that foundation of psychological safety so people can innovate, they can take risks, they can feel safe enough to share their ideas. And so that really is a very important piece, whether you are teaching or working in a marketing company or anything that involves some sort of creation, there has to be that foundation of safety. 
honestly, that really tied me back a little bit to that failure episode when we were saying that safety and risk-taking and belonging to a functional team can be a huge part of psychological safety. It's not just not having to fear something bad happening, like I said earlier. It goes a little deeper than that. You need to feel like somebody has your back. Right. And I think it's that self-image part, too. Like, you know, when you're walking into that workplace or that creative environment, you know who you are and you're confident enough in your abilities to share those thoughts because you're in a safe environment to do that. So I think it's important for us to also mention to our listeners that this is tied into research. So Amy Edmondson did some research with the Harvard Business School and came up with a psychological safety and accountability continuum slash quadrant chart. Essentially, it's x-axis, y-axis, and the higher you are in psychological safety and accountability, the more you're in this optimal work state called the learning zone. You're really focused, your collaboration is on point, and you're performing at really, really high levels. So if you are low in accountability, but in an environment where you've got high psychological safety, Everyone loves working together. You're really comfortable. That's considered the comfort zone. You're not super innovative necessarily. You kind of keep business going as usual, but still very high performing. Now on the opposite end or the reverse end of that is the low psychological safety quadrants. Let's talk about those zones. So the one that I think echoes that learning zone where the expectations or the accountability is very high for the person, it leads to the anxiety zone when the psychological safety is low, but that accountability is high because the expectations are there. You're supposed to be firing on all cylinders with how your performance is, but at the same time, that culture of risk-taking, that support from a team, you don't have that. So if somebody is operating in that zone, it's not a healthy place to be, they're anxious. And for this episode, we've called it the apathy zone. And that is the fourth quadrant that we have yet to mention. And the apathy zone is where you have that low psychological safety and low accountability. And so what happens there, what I'm seeing a lot of, especially this year, is where you start to just get very apathetic. You use it almost as a coping way. And we'll get into more of that a little bit later on in some other segments, but it's a way to protect yourself from that anxiety zone because you're still in that low psychological safety, but how do we move ourselves away from that high accountability so that we can make it through and we can sustain some of these really hard working environments, but it's not necessarily really where we want to be, especially as professionals and people that really care about the work that we do for kids and we really want to grow. How do we get ourselves out of that zone, anxiety and also apathy, so that we can get into a more meaningful level of work. So to explore this further, we probably need to bring in the metaphor and make some connections here. But really, Casey, why the heck are we talking about (laughs) Britney Spears today? What's going on here? Initially, when I posed this idea to the group, I felt like you guys were like, all right, Beach, make it happen. Okay. It was sort of crazy. But after I came down with our thought points, it really started to gel and make sense. So this initial episode came after I watched the Britney Spears documentary, and I thought it was really interesting and powerful. When you think about the environment she was in, she was in a really high performance accountability zone. She had sold millions of records, had millions of fans all across the world, but she had low psychological safety. 
couldn't trust the people around her. There was always this fear of failure, of not doing something right, or there was all this pressure on her to perform. And it makes a lot of sense why she may have been in that anxiety zone. When you look at the past history of her music, you've got these songs. And again, she didn't write all of her music, but she played a part in it. But Toxic, Stronger, Crazy, Circus, Me Against the Music, they're all about empowerment and the desire for control, wanting to take control of an environment that you really don't have or a situation that you really don't have control over. And both of those things, empowerment and control, are taken away in environments when we have low psychological safety. As Jenny mentioned, learners need to feel psychologically safe in order to be at their best and learn at their best. And finally, we know burnout exists. So the longer, and we've talked about this in the Make It Work episode before, being at a sustained level of high anxiety for too long without an increase in psychological safety levels leads to eventual apathy when those expectations drop. Obviously, mental illness and all of that plays a role in this. But when you look at that documentary and her career from that lens, it kind of makes some really interesting connections. And our purpose is to talk to our listeners about how we can provide some strategies for minimizing anxiety and helping minimize apathy so you can eventually turn the corner into that high level of learning zone. That's a really good point that you make that connection because, I mean, when you look at the career of Britney Spears, I think that a lot of times while the expectations were so high and she just kept delivering and delivering, that there was so much critiquing of her. Everybody was just criticizing her and trying to define her or box her in. And I think that that really was that idea of that. It just pulled, sucked away from her psychological safety. It wasn't just a state of being. There were people and I would even argue like mass media working against the psychological safety of this individual. And basically, as soon as one mistake was made, a legitimate mental health struggle all of a sudden, bam, right into the apathy zone. Well, it's interesting, Emily, as you're talking, I was trying to play this like mental image in my head, like instead of when you're talking about Brittany, I'm thinking about teachers. And it really there's some parallels there that you really see about her journey, and what she went through, and really what educators are going through, arguably for a long time, but especially now has been heightened even more so as school has been brought into the homes of everybody. Just like Mm -hmm. music and TV has been brought into everybody's home. Everyone has an opinion now about it, but do they really know everything that's going on behind the scenes? Right. So why do you both feel like in the educational system, why does apathy strike? I mean, we've talked about the different quadrants. We've talked about high levels of performance versus low expectations, those sorts of things. But have you felt apathy rear its (laughs) ugly head at you ever? I know I have when I was teaching. I always, and we'll get to this in a second with strategies, but third quarter was always my most apathetic (laughs) when I felt it the most because it's right in the middle of the year. You're after winter break. You're too far away from that summer. And when I taught seniors, I started to lose them at that point because they were excited about graduating. So that for me was when I was teaching my most kind of apathetic time. So I had to do things intentionally to keep that apathy at bay. 
Yeah, I mean, I think everybody has bounced around in all four of the quadrants in some career path or another. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned the seniors tuning out on you. Arguably, they might have been in the apathy zone in their right. own right. That might be one of the things that leads teachers there is when the students are there. So obviously, COVID has taken its toll psychologically on everybody, every system, everywhere. People have been on the struggle bus at one point or another. It has lowered the collective psychological safety of our entire society. So when you look at what surviving a pandemic means to educators, it means a drop in psychological safety for everyone collectively, the teachers, the students, the teams, the leaders, administrators, and pretty much everybody, every industry. You'd talk about Maslow before Bloom, but when our psychological safety is dependent on our physical safety and there's so much in jeopardy and flux right now, it really does cause that drop that brings people there. And it's just situational, largely. Emily, I've said this to you a few times over the course of this school year, especially, but I've drawn some comparisons to the stages of grief and people are grieving or what they have lost or going through just so much incredible change. And when you think of the stages of grief and the anxiety zone, those are those first couple stages of grief, shock and denial, pain and guilt, anger. And as you move towards apathy, it's kind of like, yeah, you're there, but it's it's kind of coping. And it's also moving your way through those stages of grief when you get into the bargaining and the depression. And so my hope is if we're thinking along those lines of the stages of grief, there's got to be an upward tick of some positive momentum coming through to hopefully the upward turn and working through stages and acceptance and hope. And I haven't quite seen that yet. We're hopeful, but really that's where apathy zone is right now, is moving through those stages of grief to cope with some of those really hard, deep-seated feelings. Right. And so now I think it's important for us to talk about those strategies. What are some ways, if you start thinking you're in that apathy zone, what are some ways that we can bring ourselves out of it? So uh, particularly referring back to the exemplar you used about your own experiences when you were teaching, one of the things I thought about was myself, and I had a similar experience teaching close to graduation eighth graders. One of the things that you can do is shake things up a little bit. So try to pick something new, do something new, teach a new unit, um, teach something with a different thematic focus, do more project-based learning that semester, do something a little bit different at that point in time to get out of a rut if you feel like you're in a rut to try something new. Well, and I think noticing and naming. I can't tell you how many times either one of you or somebody else in my support network has helped me name the thing. Like, I'm hearing apathy from you right now, or this is the shame gremlin rising, or this is the anxiety monster coming out. Like naming it makes it more easily understood and you can do something to help find a solution when you've named that thing. It brings it into the light because when it's in the darkness and when you don't name it, it can just fester. So well, and that's it when you're in apathy because mm-hmm. you feel like you don't have that sense of control over it. Naming the thing gives you a sense of that empowerment back. I also think it's really important to understand and uncover assumptions that you're making. So I've done this very recently over this year, having to stop myself when I'm hearing that apathy voice rise in my head. What assumptions are you making right now? Well, that this is happening because of this, this, and this, when those are actually assumptions. I don't actually know if those are true, 
but that's what's causing the lack of care or the desire to just coast through. That's what may cause it from happening. So uncovering assumptions, noticing and naming the thing are strategies that have worked really well for me. One of the things that people will experience when they're going through therapy is sometimes a bit of cognitive reframing even though. Mm-hmm. So like that's kind yeah. of the next natural extension from noticing and naming something and uncovering those assumptions is figuring out how to reframe those assumptions or the things that you're thinking in your head that put you in that place. How could you state them differently or address them differently or think them differently? And that kind of then does connect to that idea of shaking it up a little bit and trying something new. It might be a different way of looking at things too. Even bringing back the Britney Spears documentary, the thought of her very public downfall, the reframe of it from the modern lens of that was after her children were born, like that postpartum kind of depression sort of concept. We know that now looking back that that could have been a big piece of it. So yeah, I love um, that connection of reframing or just framing in general provides you another way of approaching it or looking at something that may be causing you apathy. Casey, you said this early on in our overview as we started this episode, and it's been one of those that we've done in other episodes with different mantras, but the mantra to connect to this theme, that idea of it's me against the apathy, and telling that to yourself when you're noticing it and saying, I can beat this, or this doesn't define who I am. It's just getting through all the feels. So what is under your control and naming that mantra as well, not just naming what's happening, but that you can pull yourself out of it with certain strategies like the ones we're mentioning. Power to the goddess of Britney Spears. It's me against the music, total reframe of that. But if you listen to that song, it's the battle, right? It's her against the music trying to fight with the speaker or whatever. But it's really you against that apathy feeling. You're the one person at the end of the day that can find the strength within yourself to overcome. Even when you're not in a psychologically safe place, you still have opportunities and choices. And remembering that it's the mantra, it's me against the apathy, what can I do to move forward? And while we're in the wormhole of lyrics, you know, (laughs) I loved how you even bring in where she's like, I'm in the zone, like she wants to get it into the correct zone. So it even connects the zone, (laughs) the learning zone. (laughs) I kid you not, very recently I had to say, you're in the apathy zone. Like, and it's enough to shock me out of it. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Gotta love it. Full disclosure, we were all jamming out to Britney Spears <laughs> in our own perspective households, just having to do some research, research for this ap- yeah, episode. Yeah, that's professional <laughs> research, not a dance party, maybe both. <laughs> Had to know our lyrics. Right. Back to my real example of teaching in third quarter, I needed to refocus and re-inspire my energy. And that was always leaving for third quarter the thing that I love to teach the most, because that was going to keep me engaged and me invested. And we know as educators that if the teacher is passionate about the subject or the content or the skills, some of that is going to rub off on the students. So finding something to re-inspire, re-energize or refocus you can really help minimize some of that apathy and allow you to put it on the back burner or anxiety, put it on the back burner. So another thing I'm thinking about a lot with even like framing Britney Spears is just how much her fan base, like the Free Britney movement, Mm -hmm. has really been there for her and is trying to 
create a circumstance in which she can move away from this zone that she's sort of stuck in. I think that that's something that any of the teachers or people who are struggling in general, like I said, everybody systemically and all over the place has danced into that zone here or there. But it's the fan base that can start to provide some grounding and help pulling you out. So it might be your guild, it might be your students, it might even be just digging through that all the teachers have it's that file folder of your thank you notes or your nice emails or your good evaluation notes or a cool presentation you did, Twitter, you name it. Something that makes you feel good and helps you rebuild that feeling of psychological safety. Hopefully that's something that you do have on hand or have access to or that there's people around you who, if you're not able to reframe it yourself, can say that thing. Casey mentioned, like, call you out, say, notice and name it, but no, you are amazing. The expectations and the productivity for you is tremendous. You're just in a bad place at this moment. Come out with me. We know you can you're come back out. Zone. Yep, you're in the apathy <laughs> zone. Come back this way. Our humanity is drawn to community, is drawn to people, is drawn to not being alone. And so it kind of goes along with bringing things out of the dark and into the light, but also with people, just to play off of what you just said there, Emily. All right. So let's sum up for our listeners. What are the main points that we'd like them to take away? So first, that general understanding of that quadrant. I think a lot of us have already seen that in professional learning. And I would argue that since it came out through Harvard Business, folks have come across that in other industries as well. But the understanding of the dual importance of having accountability for people's ideas and supporting people and encouraging them to have those high expectations for themselves and for other people within their system is huge. But that understanding of support, psychological safety, feeling like somebody's got your back, like we described earlier, that that duality and its connection to the learning zone is not to be forgotten or lost touch with. It's incredibly important for systems to understand and people to understand to avoid the apathy and anxiety zones. As I see it and how I talked about with the stages of grief, you're going to move through those stages. We've also talked about this school year capturing some inertia. So once we get through some of this really deep, dark stuff, there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel. And how do we capture that inertia and how do we move forward into that learning zone is really understanding where people are psychologically, and where we can take them with the accountability if we can balance the two appropriately and communicate those effectively. It's also important for systems, whether that's private sector or school education, to find ways to assess the psychological safety of their environments, not necessarily in the form of a survey, like, do you feel psychologically safe? But identify, do some research on what psychological safety looks like in various sectors, and really take a step back at the system as a whole and do that reflection. Do you actually have a psychologically safe environment for all your stakeholders, staff, students, parents, customers, client base, whatever it is. Because let's face it, once we do have that psychologically safe environment, that's where the learning is going to happen. Yep. And so it's worth it. It's worth investing that time into this warm and fuzzy stuff, for yep. lack of a better term. It mm -hmm. pays dividends. And we've seen it in our own work it pays in the end to understand and have that temperature check available. 
And I would even just add on to that, wherever you're at in a system, thinking back to what we said earlier about the fan base, you have people in your fan base, you are in someone's fan base, see each other. Look at the other teachers that you work with. Look at the other people that you come into contact with. Look at your students closely. Look at your leaders. See, are they okay? Keeping in mind some of those look-fors of what psychological safety might look like, of how are people acting, what are they doing, what are they saying that would indicate that they might be feeling anxious or apathetic about what's going on around them, look out for each other. This is a rough time and people have to take care of each other right now, push each other through the anxiety and apathy zone when those feelings strike. And on that note, might be kind of a joke, but also kind of seriously, go on a Britney Spears song binge. (laughs) She's got some anthems. (laughs) She's got some anthems to get you through. So get with your people, turn on. And if it's not Britney Spears, find your music, but literally jam out my loneliness ain't killing me no more like (laughs) find it yeah find that fan base find that guild find that group because that loneliness is just gonna weigh heavy on you and you want to move past it yes britney spears jamming up all the way that's right for each other i'm in a really good (laughs) mental state i'm really psychologically (laughs) safe after listening to britney spears on repeat for four hours straight so fun. Awesome. Well, speaking of fun, I'm thinking game time. Since we've all done our pregame today with Miss Spears on repeat. So, Brittany, karaoke, what's your theme song right now? I've been waiting all day to hear what you guys were going to say. <laughs> Yay. I've been trying to guess, but we don't know what each other are going to say on this one. Anyone so does that mean you want to go first, Jenny? So, <laughs> so here's the thing. We can play this a couple of ways. So we can play it point for matching or one point if you don't match with somebody, because it's very possible we could all match. Well, it's like categories. Right. <laughs> it's like, don't match. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? I don't know. What is the, what is oh. the goal? I'm too curious right now. I just want to know the answer. <laughs> okay. I'm judged this time. Oh, We're going to play by my rules. So who wants to go first with karaoke? And then we'll go through and then we'll decide after I hear them how many points and how we're going to make it work. All right, I'll go first. I've actually thought this through very carefully. I was going to pick Till the World Ends because this, like I said, things are weird out there right now, but it's kind of like the Dory keeps swimming. She just says, keep on dancing. So dance through it, man. Just keep going. Get moving and truck through it. So I wanted to relate to more of her more recent work with the piece of me or my prerogative. But when I started looking at those lyrics, I was like, oh, I am not that cool. I don't have a derriere that everyone wants to take a picture of. So those songs didn't work for me. So I chose Stronger. It is one of the classics. How can you not? Especially with this year. I'm just, I'm stronger after all of this. And there we go. So I matched with you. You did. So we both get, what did we both get? Two crimping irons because she used to do the crimps in her hair. Yeah. Yeah. So we both get two crimping irons. We each get two or it's each. One, one for each side one of your head. <laughs> yes. One for each side of our head. Yeah. Nice. When I'm in the apathy zone, it's lucky. Britney Spears is lucky. Number one, because it's in yeah. my range, which means I can sing like a total dork and actually hit all the notes in it. It lets me live in that moment. It lets me wash it away. And almost that catharsis that we talked about last time, it it cleanses me of my apathy. Why do these tears come at night? (laughs) It's so great. But yes, Stronger was my original. Plus, have you watched that music video? Gorgeous. Yeah. Makeup and that filter is like on point. I got to go back and look at that one. I don't remember. (sighs) 
Okay, so would you rather, so points for me and Jenny, Jenny and I. <laughs> mm. um, Emily just stuck her tongue out at us. For those <laughs> yeah. And that's secret. Next we have, would you rather, so would you rather hold a python behind your back, aka VMAs with the yellow slave, t- slave for you? I think it was slave for you. Slave I to think you. so. <laughs> or perform a choreographed dance in front of a Vegas venue-sized live audience. I've been practicing here. We've been practicing, right? Because we've all been Blair and Brittany. And here's the thing. In Vegas, you get rehearsals. So I would make sure I really, really paid attention and did it. I'm going to pick the choreographed dance because no snakes. No thanks. (laughs) I've actually had a python around my neck at my honeymoon in Mexico that we went to some outdoor zoo. And they put... And I I hated... I have pictures of it. I am like terrified it was the worst thing ever. So I also will perform choreographed dance in front of a Vegas venue-sized audience. I'd love to have someone do my hair and makeup. And which mm-hmm. outfit? Would I wear the all red, oops, I did it again, pantsuit? That jumpsuit? Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which one I'd pick. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely with you. My brother has this little garden snake, and that thing terrifies me. So definitely choreographed dance, because odds are I'll probably be in the back. <laughs> Yes, back corner I'll, like I'll be I was in childhood dance class. <laughs> totally. <laughs> That's. I'll just hide me in the back. Find some scenery is great. Yeah. You guys, we're nothing if not consistent. We all said no snakes unless Samuel L. Jackson is there, and we're going to stand by that. <laughs> yeah, we are consistent. For those of we you that consistent. haven't heard that episode, which one was that one? That was in the data one. We were talking about uh, snakes on a plane. <laughs> yep. That's yep. right. So we all get our own Titanic purple heart necklace. So if you remember in one of the songs, the guy goes down into the ocean to get the Titanic Oh, necklace. that was Oops, I Did It Again. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so we all get our own one of those for points. Friendship um, necklace. <laughs> friendship <laughs> necklace. It's a heart. We all get a piece. Okay, this or that. Backstreet Boys or NSYNC. I'm not going first on this. <laughs> Why not? Don't want to. <laughs> Don't want to give it away. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I'll go first. Okay. Backstreet Boys. No way. In sync. But I will say, I will say, this is dating me, but I was around, what, eighth grade freshman year. I wanted to be the girl that didn't pick either. So I went on a Backstreet Boys and in sync. I'm too tight. I can't think of the word. Boycott. Boycott. Thank you. <laughs> I want to boycott. I didn't listen to any of them. And I was like, I'm just going to be that girl. I'm not going to like any of them. But if I had to pick now, sync for sure. And I grew into loving JT. <laughs> okay, sweet. I'm glad I waited because now I get to be the tiebreaker. So sorry, Jenny. Backstreet Boys. Damn Backstreet it. Boys. <laughs> you are my fire. No. Oh, horrible. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know every stinking lyric everyone find me a better dance jam than everybody backstreet's back that one was a banger i'm sorry <laughs> sticking with it <laughs> your body right yes oh backstreet stop it <laughs> nope. sorry jenny well i Again, guess i, I lose I... this one because you were the one that matched with the judge so Ooh, what do we win <laughs> what do we win what do we win um backstreet boys albums <laughs> Backstreet Boys reunion tickets. Yes. That is a thing. That's awesome. We're amazing. All right. Is this a tiebreaker? This is a a tiebreaker. There's a couple more, more. but they're fun. Okay. Okay. So this is a different game. 
So you get one point for each item that you wore slash owned. So even if you didn't wear it but still had it, you have to claim the point. What is so honor system here. Oh, honor system. Honor system. Lowest points wins. So velour tracksuit, tiny shoulder bag, halter, low-rise jeans, candy-colored glasses. I have one point. I have one point as well. You babies. I have three. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Not surprised. I'm going to and tell you which three, too, good, in case anybody needs to make any assumptions about me in the early aughts. But first of all, I'm older than y'all, so that's normal. <laughs> that's why I called you babies. But velour tracksuit had a black one. It was pretty subtle, and it was so comfortable. I defy you to tell me during that phase of life that I couldn't wear the comfy pajamas everywhere. Yes. Low-rise jeans. Was there any other way to buy jeans? <laughs> yeah. Like, you could go looking for higher jeans, but kudos to you guys if you were able to find them. And then halters. So I look good in halters. I still look good in halters. So I would wear them again. Yep. <laughs> oh, um, mine were low-rise jeans. Like you said, you can't find anything else. You couldn't find Mine them. was the tiny shoulder bag. <laughs> what? Because I couldn't. Yeah, no low-rise jeans, no halter, none of that stuff for me. So mine what was color was your tiny bag? Um, it was black because that okay. was everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so at least we we're committed to black as a basic, Timeless. even with our terribly trendy things. All right, yes. feel better about black it. So Casey, who wins, you or me? We both had one point. I will do the honorary thing and provide you with winner's rights. Oh, that's so kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> you win four velour tracksuits. <laughs> I hope they're pink. <laughs> Baby blue and neon pink, like Britney Spears and Oops, I Did It Again. Yes, can- candy-colored tracksuits. <laughs> yes. And then last one, this or that. Now, this game is an homage to the alternative title for our episode with the Apathy Zone, at the Twilight Zone, or Unsolved Mysteries. Which one? Not going first again. This is the hardest question you've asked me in any of our games. Really? Any. Why? Yes, I love because I love them both. You, oh my gosh, you would. <laughs> I've never I seen all, any of them. I watch all that creepy stuff. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll go then. I would pick the Twilight Zone because it's not real. It's not based on it. Most things aren't based on real. The Unsolved Mystery, because there is a little tinge of it did happen or it's from, based off of a true story. No, I don't like that creepy stuff. Not for me. I'll take Twilight Zone. Even Unsolved the creepy mysteries music. I can handle All the way. No way. That stuff still gives me like the Unsolved Mystery theme with, was it, what was it? Robert Strack? Robert something. Robert something. His voice in my head still gives me creepy crawlies, and I love it. And that's why you pick it? Yes. No, 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 no. Yes. You're safe on your couch. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, no bueno. Don't and the, 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 with the trench coat, oh, it's so good. I used to watch that with my mom. <laughs> this is great. All right, Emily. Uh, believe it or not, I am going to go with Unsolved Mysteries as well. First of all, it's because with the Twilight Zone, some of those things were... There are some episodes with The Twilight Zone that still stick in my head as being particularly nightmarish. While they live firmly in the land of fiction, sometimes that stuff can 
be a little bit more creepy, especially when you're like a super imaginative kiddo like I was. And like, I watched that stuff young too. A lot of the unsolved mysteries I would watch and rerun cycles and stuff like that. And the other thing is, oh man, did I love an unsolved mysteries update. <sighs> Yes. I mean, really, picture that guy's voice yes. like, update. And then they caught the guy and you're like, yes, oh, yes. Like, <laughs> once again, I have no idea what you two are bonding over. <laughs> Shocker. I, I want them to do updates for the most recent ones on Netflix. Like, I'm so deaf. I crave that updates because yes. of all the reruns. Well, I'd love oh. to know if our listeners are team jenny right now or team emily and casey with this because i have no idea what you guys are talking about it's so good update so we both emily get 500 unsolved mystery trench coats so (laughs) i think we're all winners tonight but really it's me (laughs) i will concede you two win (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we did get to talk about creepy true crime and like <laughs> weird alien stuff we win all right what's coming up next for the grounded learners guild all right so what's coming up next for us is an episode entitled the pln potluck so this is another one where we are really fortunate to be joined by another awesome guest a really great educator kathy dixon is going to be joining us to talk about the idea of sharing things with your professional learning network about what that can do for your practice and what that process of sharing is like and just how that whole experience plays out when you begin developing a pln by way of sharing what you have to offer with them. So hope you can join us. And that's a wrap on today's episode. It is our sincerest hope to advocate for adult learners, and we aim to contribute to this community with genuine conversations about education, leadership, and topics that matter to you. If you'd like to connect, you can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com, on Twitter, at GroundedLGuild, at CVeacher, at TechCoachM, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. We believe in the power of feedback. It helps us to keep growing and allows us to bring new quality and customized content. Subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next Guild meeting. And in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.